Elon Musk um, really likes this idea of first principle thinking where you really stack from the layers of what you understand as opposed to accepting a lot of ideas that you might have actually never fully gone through that process to see if they make sense. Uh, in life, there's a lot of ideas that might make sense to us that have just been pushed onto us or that we haven't fully analyzed. For example, the typical, you know, go to school and university and then get a stable job. And without thinking through first principle thinking, that might make a lot of sense. But then you might start to analyze, what do I actually want to do for my life? Like, why, why am I even living? What do I want out of my career? What are the values that I want to live in alignment to? Who are the people that I think are most inspiring career-wise? And then once you have that data, then you're building upon a much more solid base. And so those assumptions that you make might actually be voided by some of your previous ideas. And so you can come to a much better conclusion. We stand today. The Business Method with a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There is a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we wanted to get behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build a business like this. We've had some incredible guests like Bobby Edwards, the founder of Squatty Potty, who built a $35 million per year company with just 17 employees, and JP Sears, the YouTube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet. I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Business Method. Hey listeners, welcome back to the show and our series of seven-figure location independent entrepreneurs. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Max Hurden. Max is the founder of Megaphone, a digital agency that focuses on social media marketing, pay-per-click advertising, and conversion rate optimization. He also created a YouTube channel where Max shares videos about learning a new skill every 30 days. During his 30-day challenges, Max has learned to play a violin, do backflips, start a business making $1,000 a month, jump on a skateboard, learn salsa dance and throw in a card to slice a banana. Throughout the episode, we talk about how Max has built a seven-figure location independent business and how he's hacked building his YouTube channel to grow it rapidly in the past 11 months. It's an incredible episode, and without further ado, let's welcome Max to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. And Max, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on the show. You're calling in from Australia, but I don't know what city. Which city are you in? I'm in Melbourne. Melbourne. And I know a lot of nomads, entrepreneurs uh, like Melbourne for many reasons, but I'd love to know uh, why you choose Melbourne. Uh, I mean, I love Melbourne. I've traveled a little bit. And for me, it's just got a bit of everything. It's got culture. It's got uh, musicians. It's got a lot of opportunities entrepreneurially. Um a lot of interesting businesses coming through it. It's got warm weather. It's got snow during the winter. Uh, and then it's just got a lot of uh, my friends and my base. So it's it's definitely a place where I'm really enjoying being. If, if you could compare it to a European or an American city, what would you compare Melbourne to? 
from my uh, travel experience, I'd say LA was kind of similar when I was living in, uh, when I was staying in Santa Monica, um, just because it had the beach, it had nice weather. In terms of vibe, there was kind of that uh, kind of young, cool kind of vibe that was easy to find. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't done necessarily enough travel to know the the best uh, comparison. But yeah, that's probably what comes to mind. From what I've I've heard of Melbourne, it it kind of seems very similar to um, a Barcelona or a San Diego, maybe. Um, you know, it's uh, a vibrant city. A lot of things happening. A lot of culture. Um, some diversity, and there's always something going on. Does that kind of sound like Melbourne? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right on. Cool, man. So I'm glad to have you on the show. I was just checking out your YouTube channel, which is really cool because I love stuff like this. You're doing a Max's monthly challenge, which you're learning. You're taking 30 days to learn a new skill. How long have you been doing it? I'm coming into my 11th month at the moment. Wow. And what are the, can you name all 11 skills off the top of your head? That's a good question. I could probably get pretty close. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, I've, I've done juggling with five balls. Uh, realistic portrait drawing, salsa dancing, skateboarding. Um, let's see. I've built a $1,000 a month business, meditated every day for 30 days. Right now I'm doing a 90-day body transformation. It's like I did it in the background of another challenge, so I'm about to finish that off. Uh, what else? Um, I'm sure there's some others that I'm missing. But, yeah, it's been a oh, stand-up comedy, filmmaking, um, yeah, so salsa dancing, if I didn't say that. Yeah, so all kinds of uh, fun stuff. It's, it's been a fun journey. Which one has been the, I don't want to say favorite, but like which one have you taken the most away from? I really enjoyed skateboarding. Uh, when I was younger, it was something that I looked at people that could skateboard and I tried to jump on a board myself and just found it very difficult. I thought maybe because I was tall or um uh, you know, not very flexible. I thought maybe my body wasn't designed for skateboarding. I gave up on it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then to revisit it, you know, whatever it is, 15 plus years later, and to slowly pick it up and then to you know, land a click, kick flip, to be doing grinds, uh, ollies on the move over objects uh, in such a short period of time. I found that super satisfying. And just, although it was, I mean, everything's a little bit brutal. Uh, every challenge is a little bit brutal just because, I might be falling over or just jumping into the deep end, yeah. but uh, I just was really enjoying that that journey. And then meditation just recently was uh, pretty cool as well. It's something that it's something that I never really tried before, and I got a lot of value out of it. What are some future skills that you're gonna learn over the next year or so? Uh, so I want to do a language learning one. I'm pretty keen to do uh, learn Spanish or conversational Spanish in 30 days. I want to do DJing or electronic music production. Uh, I've actually got a list. I can I can dig it up. Yeah, please. But, I'd love to hear it. But I've, I've got a list about 40 different kind of crazy ideas. Wow. Um, do you have any ideas for me? Yeah. Well, uh, I could help you on the, the Spanish. So I did um, a three-month goal for Conversationally Fluent for Spanish. I did it back oh. in 2012 when I was living in Costa Rica. 
And um, I found this program that is similar to fluency in three months, but it was like basically taking the 80-20 of, of language learning for Spanish. And it had it out in PowerPoints. And, and back then it was like I paid 30 bucks for it or something like that. I don't even know if it's still a business. But it was basically some guy's PowerPoint slides going through um, the 80-20 of the basics of Spanish. And I don't know. Has anybody talked to you about hacking language learning yet? I'm sure somebody has. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, because I'm friends with, uh, I don't know if you know Adalsa. Yeah. Uh, from, uh, yeah, I was on the yeah, island in then, Croatia with him, actually. Just to oh, there you go. Week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously he's, he speaks, what, six or seven languages. And then Almog, I think, speaks about four or five languages as well. Yeah. So those are my go-to resources for language learning. Yeah. Uh, they both mentioned um, Michelle Thomas. Okay. And um, Pimsla is is the resources, but I haven't really deep dived into anything yet. Yeah. So maybe this is something for the listeners to enjoy, but I don't know. Maybe you can pick something up too. But you learn the the power verbs, so you learn to conjugate like to do, to have, to be, to go, and to need. And once you learn to conjugate those verbs, it changes everything. And then you learn, you know, the 25 most used articles and, you know, the 25 most used nouns. And then for me, like I would talk about like the things I enjoyed talking about. And my goal was to, um, you know, I, I drew it out to three months, which I think I can consolidate that down to one month now that I've had that experience. So, um, but I did my very last month. What I did is three hours a day, the first week, four hours a day, the second week, five hours of day of speaking uh the third week and six hours a day of speaking monday through friday the fourth week and then at the end of it we threw a party when everybody that came to the party could only speak spanish no english and uh, it was an amazing experience yeah by the end of it i wouldn't say like i was just amazingly fluent but you know i i had hacked something and, and and did something that really impressed myself on on language learning so Totally doable. So, so you have, to, awesome. you have to follow up with us when you do that one, and we'll we'll share it. Just to, yeah, I'd to love to. We can speak some Spanish together. Yeah. See. So okay, this is great, man. And and how long have you had the YouTube channel going? Yeah, so it's been uh, eleven months. Yeah. He, he, yeah. And you've done really well. Like you've got in eleven months fourteen thousand subscribers. Um, do you have any hacks that you can share? with the listeners about growing a YouTube channel quickly? Yeah. So, um, I've actually thought really deeply about growing a YouTube channel and I've, I've asked a lot of people about it and there's, I'm almost overwhelmed with different things that I've tried, but I'd say the most important things that I can drill it down to is make highly engaging content. And when I'm listening to someone say that, I always find that frustrating, Mm -hmm. but I really do believe that YouTube is a search, uh, platform and so your goal is you know for me when someone types learn to skateboard i want to be one of the top results and the only way that i can do that is to have a very compelling video where when people click it on average they're going to be watching five or six minutes of that video and then youtube can see that watch time can see the relevancy of other videos um, realistically the way youtube works is more as a search platform it's a suggested video platform people come in for one video and then they watch another three or four and so you want to have a very catching, a catchy thumbnail. And then when people click on your video, you want to actually retain them in YouTube. So creating a very good first 15 seconds, 
constantly having like open hooks or interesting things that will keep people engaged or keep people curious uh, that uh, makes them want to continually watch more. And then on top of that, uh, some of the hacks might be posting on Facebook groups. Uh, I've run promotions as well. So um, you can use something like King Sumo where you can run a giveaway and then make one of the entry requirements or for additional entries, you have to subscribe to your YouTube channel or watch a YouTube video. And that can be a really good way where if you've got a bit of money and can put a prize that's relevant to your audience, you can kind of supercharge it. Um, yeah, and then the list goes on from there. But I'd say those are the probably most important ones to focus on. Um, and the last thing I'll say is really nailing your channel trailer. So when people come to your channel, um, you've got a beautiful video that really is compelling to get people they understand what the challenge is about and they they want to actually subscribe after watching that you know one minute to you know 90 second video and that's something that's a work in progress for me and hopefully i'll have a much more compelling trailer on my channel pretty soon as well what's the the overall objective of of growing your youtube channel besides learning these amazing skills so i did it uh, more as a passion project than a financial exercise but the goal is a few things. One is to connect me to really interesting people. So uh, I've interviewed uh, Noah Kagan, who's uh, a really successful business owner and marketer. I've interviewed Sean Cannell, who's a really successful YouTuber. And I'm trying to lock down interviews with Jesse Itzler, who's a billionaire that owns mm. an NBA team. Yeah. I'm trying to lock down with uh, Aubrey Marcus, who, um, and they, again, a really successful entrepreneur. I know a lot about uh, supplementation and exercise. And these are people that I've learned a lot from and having the ability to eat or to, to have a valuable asset that I can connect to these people, I think would be really valuable. And then um, I'm also just thinking about uh, positive influence on the world and sharing some of the best ideas that I've learned in terms of my personal growth, my entrepreneurship and the philosophy and psychology that I've learned to kind of make me a happy, um, well-rounded or um, human being and trying to give back some of my best lessons in that would have been interesting for me when I was younger. And so it's kind of scratching an itch of something that I wish existed when I was younger. So there's a few reasons, but yeah, definitely a, a passion project that I'm, I'm really enjoying. So when you're learning these skills, Max, are you um, working at the same time? Or are you dedicating like uh, two hours a day, four hours a day, eight hours a day to these skills? Um, how do you How do you balance that? Yeah, so I do have a business as well, and I definitely still make sure that I maintain the business, and that's a priority. But depending on the challenge, it, it takes a different amount of dedication. So skateboarding might have been an hour a day on average. Meditation might have only been about 15, 20 minutes a day. Um, and then there's all the other thing around that, like filming, editing, organizing, um, teachers, and things like that. But maybe half an hour, an hour a day. Um, but for something like language learning, I might try to dedicate four hours uh, a day. Uh, and But then, yeah, making sure that I can balance that with my business and making sure that that still runs uh, really effectively and it is a growing and thriving business too. Another thing I did for language learning is is the words that I learned that day. I would uh, take 15 minutes before going to bed and review that. And then like 15 minutes after waking up, I would review those words again. Um, just so they would kind of seep into the subconscious mind. So maybe that'll help. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what's, yeah. What's been the hardest of your 30-day challenges so far, the most difficult? 
I'd say uh, stand-up comedy was the most difficult yeah. because, um, firstly, it's just there's the anxiety of getting on stage, which was something that um, was challenging, and coming up with jokes, you know, from nothing was challenging. But for me, the most challenging component of it was the time that it would take to get a very limited amount of feedback. So with skateboarding, you jump on a skateboard and you, you try to ollie, uh, which is like a jump on a skateboard, and you can you, you fall off and you get feedback. You might need to kick harder or jump <laughs> higher or, or you know, weight your body. But with stand-up comedy, you need to find an open mic night, sign up, travel a few hours, wait around for a few hours, and then you might only get to test three to five minutes, and then that's what you get to do for that night. And so you've written all of these jokes and you don't know if they're funny until you get on stage and <laughs> test it in front of people. And it's very time consuming to just get a few jokes out. And then you might want to test that same joke with different wording or different timing or different pronunciation. And you're making this subtle change and then you get up on stage and, and then you need to determine was the audience right or do I want to test that again? And so it's very hard to get uh, the feedback that I wanted to try to figure out what was actually working and how I should deliver it and how do I optimize, you know, the, the jokes that I'm writing. Um, yeah, still, still a really fun experience and I definitely had a few sets that, that went really well, but I also had some that went really badly and, um, <laughs> you know, the month went by, uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> how many, how many sets did you do in that month? I, I did seven. And then, uh, how did you? Where did you get your um, your material? Did you just you created it, uh, or did you do some research to create the material, or what? What was that process like? Yeah, I did a bit of um, research, but uh, a lot of what I did was just have a conversation with friends, um, and then just see what funny ideas came from that. And any stem of an idea, I would write that down, and then I would riff on a stem. Uh, to try to flesh out more material. And then once I had a kind of a premise for a joke, then, um, for example, one of the premises was, uh, I think that it's funny that people will wave to someone on a boat if they see another person on a boat, yet they wouldn't wave to someone if they saw that same person on land. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that might have come out of conversation. And so then we try to riff on that to see where are the jokes and... Uh, where are the different punchlines and how can we build to a biggest punchline and how do we set up the premise um, and then playing around with that concept to see, uh, you know, can that turn into a minute of, of funny material, I guess. Out of the 11 that you've done, are there any that you're going to be like, yes, uh, whenever this challenge is over, I'm going to uh, make that part of my daily life or something, some activity that you already have made part of your daily life? Um. Good question. I'd say meditation is definitely something that I'm trying to maintain. If, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, I'm finding value with it. Um, the current challenge that I'm doing right now, so I'm doing like a bodybuilding challenge. So I've, I've gone to one of the best personal trainers in Australia and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got 90 days. I want to do the most extreme body transformation that we can do. And I've just really enjoyed having such a knowledgeable trainer I've had personal trainers before, but I've never had someone with this level of detail where, you know, they want your morning weight and then they'll adjust what you eat day to day. And uh, the way that they look at form and change your exercise routine and measure your body fat percentage every week and, mm. and things like that. Uh, and the results I've got, I mean, 
a bit of a spoiler, but I'm, I'm about whatever it is, 75, 80 days through, and I've lost almost 10% body fat and put on six kilos of muscle. Wow. And I'm just really happy with that resu- those results. I don't think that that's maintainable, obviously, but I'm curious to see if I maintain something close to this for the next year, could I put on another six kilos? Um, could I continue to maintain this body fat percentage? Um, so that's something I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying. And uh, optimistically, would like to say I would like to uh, continue it, depending on my lifestyle and and uh, and you know my commitment. You've got a, a video down here, Learn Drawing in One Month, Max's Monthly Challenge, and you have a before and after picture, which is really impressive. I mean, the before picture looks like, uh, it looks decent. It's much better than I could ever do. But then the after picture looks like that's a real p- portrait that's done by a real artist. Like, that's really impressive. So, yeah, that challenge, I was, I was, I was blown away with how good I, I became. Uh, and I honestly think that anyone that went through the same process would have the same results. So you, you can see my first drawing, I, I genuinely tried my hardest. I spent half an hour, uh, I was trying to replicate a photo and the end result, I'm like, yeah, this, this looks pretty good. Um, you know, how much better am I going to get? And then um, I did a course, it's linked in that video. I forget the name of it. Um, and it's about a 10 hour course but it really breaks down how to frame a drawing. So how to position everything and how to mark everything and how to think about shading and, and lighting and how light captures a face and how, uh, how your eyes might be tricked by different um, light that you might see on a drawing and how to think about the colors into a grayscale. And um, I don't know, there's all of these like little tips. It wasn't, um, I don't think it was that difficult. It was just, um, understanding the process and then taking time to kind of slowly go through the process and the end result. Um, yeah, I was, I was blown away with, I, I really think that uh, it was better than I ever thought that I would be able to produce and particularly only, um, you know, a few weeks after starting, I, I was really blown away with that one. Yeah. It's really impressive. Okay. One more, oops, one more and uh, we'll talk business. Um, you have a, um, how to think like Elon Musk in an, in under two minutes video. And I was, I was listening to it before the show. Um, what, uh, where did you get this idea from? So, I mean, I'm just a big fan of a lot of entrepreneurs and Elon Musk, uh, um, really likes this idea of first principle thinking, which I think is so important for so many people in just decision-making in life where you really stack from the layers of what you understand as opposed to accepting a lot of ideas that you might have actually never fully um, gone through that process to see if they make sense. And so I think uh, in life, you know, and I, I would imagine your audience has already gone through this process to a high degree, but there's a lot of ideas that might be, that might make sense to us that have just been pushed onto us or that we haven't fully analyzed uh, for example, the typical, you know, go to school and university and then get a stable job. And without thinking through first principle thinking, that might make a lot of sense. But then you might start to analyze, what do I actually want to do for my life? Like, why, why am I even living? What do I want out of my career? What are the values that I want to live in alignment to? What are the values that I want to optimize for my career? Um, what is the possibility of uh, my careers? What are, who are the people that I think are most inspiring career-wise? And then once you have that data, then you're building upon a much um, more solid base. And so those assumptions that you make 
might actually be voided by some of your previous um, ideas. And so you can come to a much better conclusion. And so I made a short animation kind of discussing that and how Elon Musk uh, leverages that principle. It makes a lot of sense. Um, have you ever done any high-level masterminds or um, conferences with you know, uh, $10 million entrepreneurs and higher, any, any, any type of events like that? No, I, I haven't. I just, uh, I just, well, I mentioned that I was on an island in Croatia. We went to this conference called the Baby Bathwater Conference. And uh, basically, it's five days or more, or excuse me, five days with entrepreneurs that have at least seven figures, uh, seven figure businesses. And um, a lot of the people there were were at $10 million and higher, and um, quite a few were at like $100 million and higher. And sitting down and listening to these people, one was um, the founder of Mind Valley Vision. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Do you know? <laughs> like Lichiani. No, and um, and then another guy who uh, made GoPro famous, took him from $16 million to $300 million company. And um, another guy who's the number one podcaster and, and business podcast right now. And listening to these people, I, I, I I recognize kind of what you were teaching in, in your Elon Musk video is very similar, but sitting around and surrounding yourself and listening to these people was, it was very similar to like the, the Mario brothers game. You know, when you go down the, the pipe in world two and all of a sudden you end up in world 12 and it's yeah. like, Oh, I just, you, you know, I would just skip like seven levels right there. And it was it was mind blowing because you when you surround yourself with people that are doing things on uh, like Elon Musk or doing things like that are significantly changing the world and building hundred million dollar companies, your whole thinking is just blown out the water. You know everything <laughs> that I thought I had been taught, like that I knew um, that was good material. It was decent material to get to a certain level. Was then just taken and you know, regurgitated and uh, thrown out at a different level. So um, definitely. Yeah. Check out Max's video. You guys, I'm, uh, there's some good tips in there on how to create that thinking in your life. So uh, let's chat business. And, and as, as you know, the um, series that we're running right now, is seven figure location, independent entrepreneurs, and you're, you're running a advertising, excuse me, advertising agency, called megaphone and you've been running it for i think seven years now and and we just like to uh tell the audience a bit about your business kind of how you got your start and anything else you'd want to share around around the business yeah for sure so uh, it's called megaphone marketing and we do a lot of paid social media and customer acquisition for over 100 clients all around the world and the way i got started was I was finishing uni, I was at a career fair, I was looking around at all these jobs, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and just nothing was very appealing to me. So I decided I was going to take one year to try to start up a business, and I started up a few, and the one that had success in legs was this megaphone marketing idea, and I was I basically just deep dive into everything that I could find about social media, AdWords, website conversion, and it's just this infinite rabbit hole and started to have some success slowly by the end of year one. And then at year two, um, it really picked up 
And that was a good year financially. And then from there, it's, it's really grown. And so we're now a team of 18 people. And while it's location independent for myself in the sense that there's a CEO, there's a head of accounts, there's a head of sales and that's fully capable of running the business, I still like to be around because uh, I still want to be growing it and I still want to kind of, I mean, I'm enjoying that idea of um, being still involved. Uh, involved with the business but i definitely have the capacity to step back and it can grow and kind of thrive without me but that was a long process to kind of transition from me really running the business and being um you know client facing to transitioning out and being more about strategy and, and managing the leaders of the business and yeah we've we've built a really good reputation particularly in melbourne we've won uh a few of the bigger business awards uh, in melbourne and definitely the plan is to continue to grow it and see where we can take it. What's been the um, the biggest impact for you, Max, or the uh, the most significant um, aspect of building a business where you could be location, you can be location independent? What's been uh, the most important aspect about that for you? So I'd say that aspect is for me about finding very good people, and uh, I once we started scaling up a little bit in terms of staff. I realized that going through a conventional way of finding stuff was not going to be optimal. It was such an important and crucial component of the business. And so to approach it by um, maybe standard ways was not going to be effective in us. So really deep diving into understanding about hiring, writing very compelling job ads, thinking a lot about culture to try to make sure that the top people were going to be most attracted to my job ads and making sure that those ads were all in the right places and then giving the people that come um, to the like join the team the right training and the right culture so that they can thrive and continue to grow the business what was the was this your very first entrepreneurial venture i've had uh businesses in primary school high school uh university but this was my first you know serious venture i would say okay cool what has been your greatest, your biggest challenge building this business to seven figures? I'd say the two biggest challenges was scaling lead generation. So, I, I mean, I really believe that um, once you understand how to acquire a customer for a certain cost and then understand the lifetime value of that cost and those numbers work that you can spend money to you know, profitably acquire customers, then you can really ignite a business and scale it up. And so really deep diving into understanding how I was going to um, acquire customers was a really big challenge. And you know, it left me like running all around um, you know, Melbourne, thinking to different sales experts and reading different books to, to try to figure out something that would make sense. And then the, the hiring thing was actually a really big challenge for us. I think that, you know, we've got a team of 18, but every single person there I think is, you know, awesome. I think that um, you know, the culture that we've created is really good. These are people that are driven, that are learning in their own time, that are excited to be there, that, that you know, just really enjoy each other's company. And to create that environment, I think, is so crucial to continue to innovate and thrive when you're not going to be across every little element, uh, element of the business. What are some of the things that you've done to, to make sure that that company culture exists within the your employees? So I think a lot of it is from the hiring process. So making sure that 
in the, we have a, a long-ish hiring process and we ask very challenging questions and then we actually have a challenge that a potential uh, employees need to complete which is something related to the job and we give them a lot of creativity or room for creativity in that challenge so the people that you know go above and beyond and come up with these new crazy ideas i think that's usually a good indicator that they're going to be uh, someone that brings that to their job and then in terms of keeping everyone engaged we do a monthly learn day where i mean it's about half our team now presents on a new idea that they've learned it might be from a book they've read or a course that they've done and they present it and then we all judge them based on what we think is most applicable to our business and, and it, whether we've learned something new and then that person will win private mentorship or an office upgrade. We also do monthly team events. We do revenue goals where, for example, last week we all uh, did a retreat together uh, at like a, a beach house, at like this big mansion, um, which was pretty cool. And so we make sure that there's a lot of uh, incentivization and then also making sure that no one's really micromanaged. We set uh, the expectations and uh, our values as a company so that people know that these are the things that if you live by, you're going to get a lot of career growth. And then we give the employees flexibility to see how they want to implement that and what projects they want to pick up you know, outside their core responsibilities to keep the com- company innovating and growing. And you also mentioned that earlier you were talking about coming to a point in your business where you understood that you could uh, spend X amount of dollars to acquire customers. What What's the percentage of or how much would you spend relevant to like the amount of either revenue that you're making or profit that you're making so like how do you figure out like okay it's okay to spend x percentage on this to acquire customers to be in balance with all the finances yeah for sure so uh the way that we might do the equation is we might look at what is our cost of advertising to acquire a lead and then what percentage of those leads convert to a client and then what's the average revenue of one of those clients and what's the lifetime value or the length of that client and then uh, looking at all of that, then we look at the cost of wage or time that's associated with that. So we can figure out our payback period. Um, so understanding, you know, if it, if it costs $500 to get a lead and then one out of two of those convert, so it's $1,000 to acquire a customer, and they're spending $2,000 a month. But our cost to actually do that in month one is $1,000. Uh, and the employee's um, sales time, you know, we can start to come up with these equations. So that we go, okay, we actually have a two two month or three month payback period, and then everything uh, after that is, um, you know, ongoing profit um, after our cost of goods of servicing that client. Then we can start to figure, okay, we actually can spend five hundred dollars to um, acquire a lead, and so long as our conversion rate and uh, you know our lifetime value don't change, or we can continually try to improve those two numbers, then we can continually and infinitely almost spend. Uh, as aggressively as we can to acquire leads at that price. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. One more question, Max, and I think we're going to wrap up. But uh, can you inform the listeners two or three must-dos from your expertise um, on what to do to build a seven-figure location independent business? So so from my experience, because obviously there's so many different types of seven-figure businesses, uh, I'd say a few things. Uh, number one, get mentors. I think that 
if you have people that you can learn from and you know they can alert you to your blind spots or what you're not focusing on or some of your errors i think that that's uh super valuable um and make sure that you're constantly educating yourself so you're not relying on what you think you know but you're constantly challenging your ideas um i would say i mean going from my experience having great staff has just been um so instrumental so really being very cautious about thinking about every person that's coming into your team, uh, even if they are, um, you know, remote, but really making sure that they're the right fit, they have the right attitude, they really understand the principles of the business and getting rid of people that don't make sense to make sure that you're making room for the people that you really want to be there in the long run. Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say those are really the main things. Um, yeah, I, I guess the last thing is just really, um, trying to understand your marketing channels and making sure that you have probably a couple of effective marketing channels so that you're not relying on just one uh, source. So that way, if that gets dry, that dries up, you've still got something that can continue to bring in new revenue and growth to your business uh, and really making sure that you've got two or three of those working as effectively as possible so that you can continue to um, scale your business through those channels. So I've got to ask you one thing based on those answers. You mentioned um, getting the right people kind of on the team and uh, for the long run. So uh, is is there a process that you go through to make sure that you have the right people on the right team? And then um, how do you know that they're, they're going to be the right fit for the long run? Yeah, so it's definitely something that we're still improving, but I'd say, yeah, nailing your hiring process, whether that's calling referees, whether that's giving them a challenge, whether that's really understanding what are the traits that are going to be important from the role, maybe getting a second interviewer or a third interviewer, and you all scale them based on attributes, and then you can kind of quantitatively see where you think they're going to be good, and then look at your past performance of other hires to see how accurate you've been uh, so that you can continue to reflect on that idea. And then once they do come on board, you know, we might be setting KPIs or uh, objectives and things like that and seeing how they are fitting into your culture and how they're going. And if they're not fitting, you know, really laying down the law so that you, so that they know what their expectations are, even though you might have a fun, you know, lively culture, they, they need to know what are their expectations to make sure that they're a valued team member and, um, you know, being strict on that. And if they don't work out, you know, unfortunately, you, you do need to get rid of them and replace them with someone that's going to, you know, keep that culture uh, exactly where you, you need it to be. Makes sense. Max, if the listeners want to reach out to you, learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they can find you at? I would say Instagram, I'm at Max Hurden, or YouTube, I'm at Max Hurden, which is H-E-R-T-I-N. Very cool. Max, I want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your, your, your tips and your t- tricks and all your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Appreciate yeah. it, Chris. We'll put the show Thanks notes in, in the links, you guys. And as always, thank you for coming on and joining the episode once again. And we'll see you guys on the next show. Goodbye, everybody. 
Hey listeners, thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week you get a call with yours truly about what steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching. The Business Method dot com forward slash coaching.